0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, John continues his series on the book of Revelation, with a very helpful message titled, Happy People.
1: I want to talk to you today about happiness and about being a happy person. And maybe the best way to start this sermon is simply to ask this question. Do you consider yourself to be a happy person? Now, I've heard preachers say, and maybe you have too, in fact, it seems like it's always an unhappy preacher, or an angry preacher, he'd say something like this, God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. Have you ever heard somebody say that? And when I hear a preacher say that, I think to myself, well, I hope you're holy because you're sure not happy. Because anybody that would say that, I think, is misrepresenting God. Let me, say, let me just set the biblical record straight today. God wants you to be holy and happy. In other words, you can't truly be happy unless you're first holy. I mean, you're pursuing holiness. None of us is perfect, but you have to at least pursue obedience and trying to do what's right. But God wants you to be holy, but he also wants you to be happy. And yet I think a lot of people don't really believe that. A lot of people think that part of the Christian life is just, uh, you know, you're downtrodden, and you're serious, and you're, you know, you just got this burden of the world on you, and you're, you know, you're just trying to do everything God wants you to do, and it's kind of an oppressive, burdened-down way to live. Well, friend, there's nothing further from the truth. Jesus, when He was on the earth, if we could have been walking along uh, the shores of the Sea of Galilee with Him, we would have seen that He was a happy person. Now, It's interesting, last night I was looking over this sermon one last time before I went to bed last night, and I got thinking about that statement. God wants us to be happy, not just holy, but He wants us to be happy. And I started thinking, I wonder what Bible verses I could use to demonstrate that and to prove that and to kind of back that up. Just listen to this, verses on happiness. In John chapter 10, in verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more. Do you know what the next word is? Abundantly. He wants us to have an abundant life, talking about happiness. In Psalm 4 and verse 7, King David said to God, you have put gladness in my heart. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 28 verse 7, my heart greatly rejoices. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 28, the hope of the righteous Will be gladness. And so we're using gladness, joy, rejoicing, and so on. Jesus said in John 16, verse 24, that your joy may be full. Jesus doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want you to be downtrodden. Let me say it this way Jesus doesn't want you to be in a bad mood. He doesn't want you to have a bad attitude. No, He doesn't want you to be negative. He wants you to be happy and positive. This may be my favorite of all. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. In other words, one of the benefits of trusting God is that that produces happiness in our hearts. Psalm 144 verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And so if God is your God, if Jesus is your Lord, you and I should be happy. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, happy is the person who keeps the law. And so if you keep the law and try to obey God, and I want to say again, none of us is perfect. We all sin from time to time, but we just have to confess it and repent of it, get up and move on down the road. But if we pursue obedience, we're going to be happy. And then Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so our very energy in life, you know, the word enthusiasm Literally means God in you. The Greek word theos for God, T-H-E-O-S, is in the middle of the word enthusiasm. It could be entheos, you know, enthusiasm. And it's so when God is in us, we should be happy. Now, there was a man named Nathaniel Hawthorne who was a, an American novelist back in the 1800s. He lived in Massachusetts. And Nathaniel Hawthorne said this about happiness, and it's the best thing I've ever heard. He said, happiness is like a butterfly. He said, if you chase after it, it will always be just beyond your grasp. Haven't you noticed that? That in life, anytime we pursue happiness, we never can quite find it. I've just gotten finished reading in my own Bible reading the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is the story of Solomon searching for not only meaning in life, but he's searching for happiness. And here's the wisest man who ever lived. And he said, I tried to, f-, he, in fact, Solomon said, whatever my eyes saw and whatever my heart desired, I did not withhold my hands from those things. And Solomon said, pursuing all that, trying to find happiness, it's like chasing the wind and you never can quite catch it. And that's what Nathaniel Hawthorne was saying. He said, happiness is like a butterfly. If you go after it, if you pursue it, it's always going to be beyond your grasp. But Hawthorne said this, if you will sit down quietly, happiness, like a butterfly, very well may land on you. And so happiness, what I want to say at the beginning of this message today, happiness is not something we find. Happiness finds us when we are right with God. And yet, how many people do you know, and how many of us ourselves have been guilty of pursuing happiness? See, the world tells us, if you want to be happy, be in a perfect relationship. Well, that's an illusion because there aren't any. The world says, if you want to be happy, get a perfect job. Well, you tell me where that place of employment is. The world says if you want to be happy, get a, accumulate a lot of stuff, man. You need money. You need boats. You need houses. If you want to be happy, get out there and make a name for yourself. You need, you need some fame and some popularity and, and, and a lots of friends, and, and that'll make you happy. No, that's not happiness is not something we find. Happiness finds us when we're in a right relationship with God. Again, David said to God, you... Have put gladness in my heart. He didn't say, I found gladness. No, he found God. And when he found God and was in a right relationship with God, God. Put gladness in his heart, and so all of that to say that Jesus wants us to be happy, he came so that we could be happy, knowing him, trusting him, walking with him. All of that produces happiness in our lives. Now, I want to show you a couple of examples of that today from the first book in the New Testament and then from the last book in the New Testament. So, let's start in Matthew and let's go to a very familiar passage of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, it's chapters 5, 6, and 7. This is the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus preached it. And the introduction of this sermon consists of something known as the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed, or sometimes we say blessed, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, Jesus said, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, at the beginning of this sermon, says to the listeners, I want to tell you how to be happy. Interestingly, the Greek word here that we translate blessed or blessed is the word makarios. M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. Makarios. And it literally describes the condition of inward happiness and joy. But it also describes being in a position... So that God can give us whatever blessings he has for us in our lives. And so the person who is, is, ble- is happy is not, and who is blessed not only has gladness in their heart, but think about this. You are in a position to receive the best that God has for you. Now, you tell me, who doesn't want to receive everything that God has in our lives, whether that's in the form of relationships, whether it's a job, whether it's family or friends or health or, or any, whatever it is, that however God wants to bless us. If we are in a right relationship with Him, we're going to be happy in our hearts and we're going to be receiving God's blessings in our lives. It's like there's, we're going to live under the open windows of heaven. And God is going to be dispensing one blessing after another in our lives. Now, turn, if you would, to the book of Revelation, because this is what I really wanted us to see today. Now, let's begin in chapter 1 and verse 3. And what we're finding here are seven different ways that we can be happy in our life. And notice what it says. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. And so this book starts out by saying, here's how to be blessed. Read the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation. One of the reasons that I I wanted to preach through the book of Revelation, it is the only book in the entire Bible that has a built-in blessing with it. It's the only book in the Bible that says, if you'll read this book, You'll be blessed. But it's not just true for Revelation. Listen, friend, anytime you read any passage of the scripture, you are going to be blessed. And so the first way to be happy is to read the Bible. So when you read the Bible, what are you doing? You're filling your mind with God. You're filling your mind with truth. You're filling your mind with faith. I listen, last night before I went to bed, I took my Bible and I read Romans chapter 4. Why? Am I preaching out of Romans 4 today? No, I'm in Revelation. I read Romans 4 because the night before I read Romans 3. And I'm reading through Romans at night. I read through it in several translations and in different Bibles, same, even some from the same translation. And I'm telling you this, as I read through that last night, God just spoke to my heart. In fact, I'll just, let me just read you. I'll just kind of warm us all up here just to help us. But in Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham. And listen to what it said of Abraham. It, you know, God had made Abraham a promise. He and Sarah were going to have a son. He was, Abraham was an old man when God made that promise. And 25 years went by before the promise came to be true. And notice what it says about Abraham, who contrary to hope, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. And I thought, I read that last night. I said, God, so many times in our lives we get in a situation and there's no hope in the situation. And yet, sometimes what we have to do in life, even when we look at the situation and we say, there's no hope in the situation, we have to look up and say, there may not be hope in the situation, but there is hope in God. Bless my heart last night. I read down in verse 20, it says of Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith. How did Abraham, a man 75 years old, received the promise that he and his wife were going to have kids how did Abraham when he was 99 years old believe that he was going to have a son he did it by faith even though biologically and physically speaking totally impossible and no way that it could happen so what I'm saying is when you read the Bible you're putting yourself in a position to build your faith up and what is it the verse I read earlier whoever trusts in the Lord happy is he you want to be happy Then don't pursue happiness, pursue God, read the Bible, build up your faith, and you're going to be happy. Now, go to chapter 14 in in, uh, Revelation. I'll show you another verse that uh, this is a, we would say, man, that's a strange way to be happy. This this one we're going to read right here, but look at it. Chapter 14, verse 13, the Bible says, blessed or blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. You want to know how to be happy as a Christian? Die. You say, now, John, I don't want to be that happy. I don't want to cash in on that one just yet. What is the Bible saying? Ultimate happiness. I mean, ultimate, lasting, permanent happiness will come the moment our bodies die and the moment our spirits slip out of our bodies and go immediately and permanently to be in the presence of God in heaven. And so, I mean, i tell you how good God is. He's saying, who who but God could say this? One of the keys to being happy is dying. Because when you die, you're going to go to heaven and be with God. And so we say, man, if death itself, which is the worst thing that can happen to a person, is going to only enhance my happiness, then what do I have to fear in the world? Now, go to chapter number 16. I'll show you another one in verse number 15. Chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is speaking here. And Jesus said, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, I'm coming back. We've been talking about that lately, right? Jesus is coming back either at the moment of our death or at the rapture of the church. Jesus said, if you want to be happy, live your life as though I could come back today. Let me say this, friend. Jesus Christ could come back today. Paul, the apostle, believed that Jesus was coming in his lifetime. You say, well, Paul was wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. Jesus could have come back in his lifetime. It's just that Jesus chose to delay that so that more people could be saved. But nonetheless, we should live our lives with an anticipation. This could be the day. Think about this. You don't have a problem in the world that the return of Christ wouldn't solve immediately. That problem would be obliterated. And so today, instead of leaving here thinking about your problem and how difficult everything is and how hard everything is, think like this. Think, well, you know, God, you could come back today and my problem be solved. My problem be over. Well, that's true. And that's how God wants us to live. Now go to chapter 19. I'll show you another verse. This is a great verse. Revelation 19, look in verse 9. The angel said to John, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what's going to happen in heaven. All of us who've been raptured and taken to heaven, just before Jesus comes back to the earth for the battle of Armageddon, we'll be in heaven with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me ask you a question. Do you, and I think the answer is yes for all of us, but do you ever feel like you've been left out in life? Maybe you kind of feel like you're not in with the cool crowd or maybe you've been shunned and some, some of your friends had a get-together and they didn't invite you to it. And you got your feelings hurt. Well, we've probably all had that. But for you, let me just say this to you today. If you are saved, you already have a reservation in place at the greatest event that will ever happen. And that is the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. And so Jesus says, don't worry about the wedding you didn't get invited to or the party you didn't get invited to or the function you got overlooked or don't worry about the fact that nobody seems to notice you or know you. Know that one of these days you're going to be at this marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. So what, one thing Jesus is saying, if you want to be happy and glad... It's not just reading your Bible, that's part of it. It's not just trusting God, it's part of it. But it's also looking beyond, looking above the circumstances we're in, looking beyond the problems we're facing to a better day when we're going to be in heaven with God. It totally changes your outlook on life. Now go to chapter number 20 in verse 6, same thing here. And John said, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Uh, Over such, the second death has no power. And so the first resurrection is talking about when at the rapture of the church, Jesus is going to bring our bodies up out of the ground and he's going to reunite our bodies with our souls. It will already be alive in heaven with him and so we'll be with him. So that's the, the first resurrection. The second resurrection is talking about those who've not been saved and their bodies will be brought up out of the earth and they will have to face God in judgment. One of the things that makes me happy is that I know that God will never judge me for my sins. One of the things that makes me happy is that I know I'm not going to go to hell one day. You know, as I've told you before, I used to doubt my salvation, and I doubted my salvation for years, and I wish I never would have. But I'll tell you, I'll try to find a positive in every situation. The one positive of having lived so many years not knowing whether or not I was saved is that ever since I came to the full assurance of my salvation, I certainly do appreciate it. And I'm not suggesting you go out and doubt your salvation for 15 years so one day you can be happy to know you're saved. That wouldn't be right. But I'm saying this, the only thing better than being saved is to be saved and know that you're saved. And today, whether you've had to come through doubt or whether you just got saved and never questioned it, but if you're at the full assurance of your salvation and you say, well, I'm trying to find some reason to be happy. I'll give you a reason to be happy. Be happy today that you're not going to hell. Be happy one day that you're going to be in heaven with God forever. See, that just gives me peace in my life. When when I woke up this morning, was I excited that we were all going to be in church together? Yes. Was I excited about preaching a sermon on happiness? Absolutely. Was I, I mean, I'm always excited on Sundays. But let me tell you something. My greatest joy today didn't come because I was going to come preach a sermon or even teach the Bible. My greatest joy today as I was lying in bed when it was time for me to get out of bed was in knowing beyond the shadow of any doubt that I am saved. And so I didn't get that happiness by seeking happiness. You see, a lot of people in life have got their ladder leaning on the wrong wall. And they're climbing that ladder of corporate success and relationship happiness and and more and more money and more and more things and more and more people and, and more and more accomplishments and achievements and positions and ranks and people knowing who they are in the community. And yet, we all have seen athletes, politicians, celebrities, movie stars, all these people that are so famous say to us, You know, I thought all that was going to make me happy, and it didn't make me happy. I can remember years ago seeing Tom Brady, who's one of the, I think he's the greatest player in the history of the NFL. He's the GOAT. He has won seven Super Bowls. I saw Tom Brady on the Dave Letterman show, the late show with Dave Letterman one night, and Dave was interviewing him after he had won his third Super Bowl ring. And Tom Brady said to Letterman, he said, you know, Dave, he said, I always thought if I got a Super Bowl championship, that that would satisfy me. He said, now I've got three Super Bowl rings. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still not satisfied. Well, he's being honest. I guarantee you, if we could talk to Tom Brady today and say, hey, Tom, now you've got twice as many as you had. Now, you, more than twice, you've got seven rings. Tom, speak to us. Tell us, man. You're the greatest athlete who has ever played in the NFL, the most successful player ever. You are the GOAT. Have those seven rings satisfied the deepest longings of your heart? And I'll guarantee you, Tom Brady would honestly say to us, seven championships don't satisfy anything. Why? Because championships, Super Bowl, success, popularity, acclaim, none of that can meet the deepest need that we all have. And that need can only be met by Jesus Christ. That's why Augustine said years ago, God's great thinker, Augustine, he said, God, you have made us for ourselves and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. What I'm saying to you today is, friend, if you're not happy, could it, I'm asking you, could it be that your ladder is leaning on the wrong wall and what you need to do is take that ladder and move it and lean that ladder onto God and say, God, instead of climbing all this, I'm going to spend my energy pursuing you. I'm not pursuing happiness. I'm pursuing you. And as I pursue you, I'm believing just like you did for David that you're going to put gladness in my heart. And God says, I will put gladness in your heart if you will pursue me. It is a byproduct of being in a right relationship with me. And then a couple other verses, and then we'll stop real quick. Chapter 22 and verse 7, we've looked at this verse for multiple weeks. Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly, quickly. It's going to end. You're going to be in heaven quickly through your death or through the rapture. Blessed, Macarius, satisfied on the inside is the person who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. That is, you're trying to live an obedient life. And then in verse number 14, last one, blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who keep His commandments. Now again, none of us is perfect. We don't always do keep God's commandments perfectly. But when we sin, we confess it, we repent of it, we get up and we move on and ask God to help us to do better next time. God's not talking about perfection. He's talking about pursuing Him. And He's saying if you pursue Him, He's going to give you happiness on the inside. And so I want to just close this message today kind of where I started by making this statement. Happiness is not something you find. It's like chasing the wind. You're never going to catch it. It's like trying to catch that butterfly. It's always going to be beyond your grasp. But if you and I We'll just sit down quietly in God's presence, take the Bible, open it up to something. If, you, if you're not accustomed to reading the Bible at night before you go to bed, I would just recommend tonight, just take the book of Psalms and read Psalm 1. In fact, that's interesting. I hadn't planned on saying this, but the same word, it's, he, it's in the Hebrew, but it, it's the same word in our English Bibles, blessed. <laughs> Psalm 1, blessed. The whole book of Psalms talks about how to be happy. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, <laughs> no. but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that gives forth its fruit in its season, his, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The Bible is telling you in the first part of Psalms, here's how to be happy. Open your Bible, read it, meditate on it think about it. Happiness is not something we find. Happiness finds us when we are in a right relationship with God.
0: We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. We have a resource that we believe will help you find the happiness that John has been talking about. Simply go to peacebybelieving.org forward slash look for the booklet titled, How to Be a Happy Christian. You can read it on your device or you can print it out. If you would like a physical copy, send us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.